portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. So whether this man was paralyzed from the waist down or the neck down, we don't know. But this much we know. He was unable to go anywhere on his own. What kind of mat was this? How did his friends carry it? Were there handles along the side? Did it have some sort of rope system that they could sling over their shoulders? We don't know. There was a man who couldn't move. There was a mat, and there were people carrying him. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, we get some more information about this particular incident. You might be familiar with it. This is the account where these men arrive And there's no way to get their friend in to see Jesus, so they get access to the roof. Remember that? And they dig a hole, and they lower him down, like the picture on the front of your worship folder. They lower him down in front of Jesus. To an outside observer, what do you think the outside observer thought the friends were trying to accomplish? At this time, we know from the rest of scriptures that Jesus had already been doing all sorts of miracles. He had already shown his authority to to do many, many impressive, powerful things to help people in their need. And so maybe it would make sense that the conclusion someone would draw is that they're trying to bring their friend to Jesus to make him stand up and walk. And, And boy, what an impact that would have, right? He could hold down a job. He could take some time off from work and he could travel from the region of Galilee where they were, out west, to the beaches of the Mediterranean Sea. He could travel around to see family and and friends. There is so much that he could do if he had the ability to walk on his own that he can't do when he's first brought to Jesus. And so one might think that what this man needs is to be healed. That would be an incredible benefit for him the rest of his life. 
But that's not what Jesus does. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus does what is absolutely necessary for this man right up front. It it wouldn't have mattered if he could run and jump if he didn't know Jesus and he didn't know the forgiveness of sins. Maybe even more interesting here is that Jesus doesn't just say your sins are forgiven. He says, take heart, son. To the outsider, it might make sense that the friends brought him to be healed, but clearly this man has guilt over his sin. Jesus, as the all-knowing God, knows what's in his heart, knows what's on his mind, just as he knows what the Jewish leaders are thinking. He knows what this guy's thinking. He knows the guilt that this paralyzed man feels over his sins. And so Jesus says, take heart, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. This is the heart and soul of Christianity. It's the forgiveness of sins. So many look from the outside in. They think they have Christianity all figured out. They lump it in with all the other religions of the world, with all the other belief systems, with all the other worldviews, so many think Christianity is no different from all the rest. Raise your hand if you've used a compass in the last month. We had three on Thursday night. Three people had used a compass in the last month. I was impressed. Sometimes you hear people refer to a moral compass, Right? For our purposes today, have you used a GPS in the last week? I'm guessing a whole lot of you have, right? How about a moral GPS? They've been around for, at least for personal use, for about two decades now. You could buy handheld, standalone units. You got them on your phone, probably. They've been in cars for a long time. So many in the world, they they look at Christianity, they look at religion in general like moral GPS systems. Countless numbers of different destinations, yes. Countless different maps with different amounts of detail, you bet. Maybe some seem to work better than others, yep. But so many view religion as a moral GPS, a way to find your way through this life a better alternative to not having any. Something that could improve your life in the sense that it gives you direction as opposed to being lost. But if you're not interested in a particular system of direction, what good is it? Jesus proves to us in this text how Christianity is not just another moral compass. It's not just another moral GPS. Jesus is not a teacher to show us right and wrong, good and bad. He didn't come to give you direction so you could find your way through this life to a place of happiness here or or prosperity here. He didn't just come to tell people who are paralyzed to get up and go home. And you see that in the miracle. Why does Jesus do the miracle? It's not just so the guy can have a better life. It's not just so that he can hold down a job or go on vacation or travel on his own. It's not just for his earthly benefit. No, there's a reason for the miracle. 
It's so that everybody there could be absolutely convinced that Jesus actually has the authority to forgive sins. Because what do we hear in our text? As soon as Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, take heart, your sins are forgiven. There's a group of people sitting there, not speaking out loud, but thinking to themselves, who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. Mark's gospel tells us they're thinking only God can forgive sins. If this guy says your sins are forgiven, he's claiming to be God, and that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And so he tells the people who are there and you and me exactly why he gave this man an earthly blessing. If I could tell him to stand up and walk, if I could do something that only God could do then, I can also forgive his sins. And so get up and walk. But again, what's the point? It's not go have a great life. It's not go enjoy your your freedom and flexibility. It's your sins are forgiven. And I actually have the authority to do that. A whole bunch of your brothers and sisters came here to Mount Olive on Thursday. More came this morning to our devotional service at eight. And now here you are. Why? Apparently Christianity is important to you. Apparently God's word matters to you. But you know people who aren't here today. You know people who aren't watching online. You know people who are convinced Christianity is as irrelevant as ever. Maybe they grew up in the church, maybe they didn't. Maybe it's a relative, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, cousin. Maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. You know people who don't care about religion, who don't care about the Bible or what it has to say about anything. And you probably know more about why they feel the way they do than maybe you'd like to admit. You see, they've figured out something. Something that you know too. People who aren't involved in Christianity, they figure out that being a Christian does not make your income go up. Being an active member in a congregation like Mount Olive, it does not give you more time for your hobbies. In fact, it gives you less time for your hobbies. Young people figure out pretty quick that being a Christian does not mean that your first date is going to be your forever soulmate. People in the world have long since figured out that it seems Christian marriages end in divorce just as often as unbelieving couples. People look at it from the outside and they say, What's the point? What's the point of all of this? I'm not going to get rich. I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to get to do the things that I want to do. My marriage is just as likely to fail. There's no benefit to Christianity. There's no holy man walking around healing my sick loved ones. There's no Jesus walking around telling my paralyzed loved one to stand up. 
or, or, or calling my dead loved one out of the grave? What's the point? I'm assuming that you've all heard the point before. You know better. You know better than those who look at the world, who look at Christianity and say, no earthly blessing, no benefit to me. Well, there's a huge benefit, you'd say, right? It's not about trying to get rich. It's not about having fun. It's, it's not about increasing my earthly enjoyment. It, that's not what it's about. It's not about increasing the pleasure in my life. It's about forgiveness, you'd say, right? It's about something that everybody needs. I need. Me, your pastor. You need. And everybody that you know who's not an active churchgoer, who's fallen away from Christianity, you know that they're not seeing things right. And yet so often, what do you and I do? when we're around the people who don't care. The people who have an inaccurate view of what Christianity is, who are looking at it the wrong way, what do we do? Often nothing. And I'm right there with you. I'd like to think of myself as a missionary, an evangelist. First seven years of my ministry, I was starting a church. I was going around trying to tell people about Jesus. But you know what was one of my greatest sources of guilt through those seven years in Wyoming? I was coming home saying, I, I should have said something today. I had a perfect opportunity. Why did I open my mouth? Why did I wait? What did I accomplish by saying nothing? Nothing. We, we know, right? We, we know that Jesus is not about telling us how we can have a better life here. We know intellectually the foundation of Christianity is forgiveness. And we know that a man who can run and jump and earn money and be happy who dies apart from faith in Christ will not be happy. Will spend eternity suffering in hell. We know this. And yet so often we show that doesn't all that much matter when we keep our mouths shut and don't say the most important thing in the world. Christianity is about forgiveness. God sent his son not just to drive out demons or to heal the sick or to raise the dead or to tell the paralyzed to stand up. He didn't come for temporal benefits. He came to win you, to win me to win us back from the consequences of sin, to rescue us from the devil and his grasp. And he did that. Jesus perfectly loved God and and humans every day. He won full and free forgiveness for all of your sins and all of mine when he poured his blood out on that cross some 2,000 years ago. He assured you that when water was poured over your head and the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were spoken over you, that you were made God's child, that you were cleansed, 
Just like when you come forward in a little while and receive bread and wine, that in a miraculous way that we just cannot understand is the same body and blood that was given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. You are forgiven. Your God assures you each and every day your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with me. Not because you plugged the right destination into the GPS. Not because the map gave you the the way to find happiness and peace on earth. No. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm bringing you to a far better place. And you are forgiven. That's why you can go. The world looks at religion and sees a path that I can walk on, a, a way that I can get there. Christianity says you can't. You can't get to heaven. And so God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that you and I might receive the full rights of sons and daughters. And at the font, that's what you're assured you are. God's son, God's daughter. At the supper, you are assured you are forgiven. And today we're reminded that the forgiveness Jesus assured to the paralyzed man, the forgiveness that Jesus assures to you and to me is for every single man, woman, and child to ever live. It is our great privilege as priests serving in God's kingdom to serve those around us with the truth, to minister to them with God's word, to pray for them, going directly to our Father to share the good news that Christianity is not a quick fix to earthly happiness, but forgiveness of all sin. I encourage you this week, take what you know and believe. Apply it in your life. Leave here today knowing that your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with your God. And make sure everyone you know knows the same truth. Share the forgiveness of sins and blessings as you do it. In Jesus' name, amen.